Welcome to In 20XX. This series takes the listener year by year into the future. Ride the wave of change. If you like emerging tech, ecotech, futurism, skepticism, apocalyptic survival scenarios, and disruptive science, sit back and enjoy short stories that showcase my research into how the future may play out. Good evening, I'm Morgan Colt, and this is In the News for January 7th. Our top stories tonight, now that the five vacant seats on the Supreme Court have been filled in a landmark decision, the judges have issued a ban on any interference with the formation of new embryos. This ban includes DNA editing, embryo screening, and assisted reproductive technologies such as sperm banks and fertility drugs. While Christians are celebrating this decision, critics argue that it'll widen the gap between the poor and the new middle class. Many people believe that babies who haven't been genetically screened or modified may have limitations preventing them from getting high-paying jobs when they grow up. Families who can afford to travel can go to Canada or a space hotel for embryo treatments, while people who can't afford the trip will be locked out from those services. In a shift towards a cashless society, the printing of physical money has come to a halt. Most stores and businesses no longer accept solid currency. If you still have old dollar bills or coins stashed away, we have information on how you can send your physical money to the Department of the Treasury. Click this link. Consumers can now order a new form of birth control available in two forms, joyous intercourse for him and joyous intercourse for her. This contraceptive boasts a unique feature. It causes the skin of those who use it to glow in the dark. Social media platform TokTok has exploded with posters showing off their glowing skin. Many drawn to the idea of glowing skin may not necessarily be seeking to rule out pregnancies. Not everyone's joyous about the new product. The group Stop Joyous Intercourse will march on Washington this weekend. Looking to earn some extra cash? You can make money by getting an ad tattoo. Tattoos featuring leading Torp logos are the most popular. How much you make depends on an estimation of how influential you are. Influencers can make hundreds weekly with one of these tattoos, but the same tattoo may earn pennies worn by someone with little influence. An AI estimates the influence of the wearer. In our last story tonight, we take you to a pet-holding facility at Giantess where new and adorable pets capture hearts. Among these pets is a new breed of cat that contains 0.2% dog DNA for those who like cats but would like them to have a little gratitude. If cats or dogs aren't your preference, miniature goats and sheep are domestic enough to become part of any household. Stay tuned for more details after the break. In Tennessee, Vanessa lies in her bed waiting for her sister, Chelsea. Chelsea comes in with a pair of compression socks. She says, Took me forever to find these. She lifts a blanket off Vanessa's legs and struggles to pull the socks over Vanessa's calves. Both sisters are dishwater blondes. Vanessa blinks and takes several seconds to yawn. After the river accident, she can't move below her shoulders. She can hardly move her arms and can't move her hands. Everything in the house is second-hand and lots of things are donated. Obamacare was shot down before they were born and nothing was put in its place, so Vanessa's medical care has been spotty. A week after their mother passed away, Chelsea said the lift was broken and Vanessa hasn't left her bed since. Vanessa says, Can you put my glasses on me? Frowning, Chelsea yanks on a compression sock. She says, I don't see them. Where are they? 
Vanessa says, Aren't they on the table? That's where Mom always put them. Chelsea says, I don't see them. I'll have to look for them. Vanessa says, Do you remember where you put them? Chelsea says, You'll just have to wait. I do have to work, you know. Dr. Nigel Jett's narrowly spaced eyes make his wideness look wider. He stomps the slush off his brogues inside the cafe, where people hustle in and out. The winters in Boston used to be harsh, and he used to not go outside for days when it snowed. Taking his place in line, he watches robot arms placing cups under steaming spouts, then swinging in long arcs to set the orders on a counter. Outside, voices call out in protest, Say no to joyous intercourse! Say no to joyous intercourse! One femme rolls her eyes, but most don't seem to notice. Having turned 40, Nigel accepts that the young people surrounding him don't pay him much attention. A tap on his shoulder surprises him, and he turns around. An extra skinny femme with short hair flattened against her scalp stares up at him with large, heartless eyes. She says, Dr. Jet? He looks around. The nearest cover is a table where two college students sit. Could that trench coat she wears hide a rifle? She says, don't worry, I'm here on business. I'm interested in VR tech, that's all. Nigel shudders. He shakes his head and flinches his arm muscles. His upper lip feels cool with sweat. He says, I don't think I can help you. He steps up to the counter and grabs his drink. She says, I know some very wealthy gamers who want to try out your latest research. He says, I'm restoring nerve functionality to paraplegics. I'm not working on anything suited for consumers. She follows him saying, I know. He says, I could lose my job if someone suspects me of, I'm encrypted recording you right now. He starts to turn to the door, but she takes his arm. She says, of course you are, we all are. I just want to talk. He says, I'm not interested. She half smiles, half glowers at him as he pulls his arm away and pushes past a man to exit. Soft snowflakes hit Nigel's face as he walks toward MIT. Yvette, a short and curvy 21-year-old with strawberry curls, marches up to him and says, Bring one for me? He looks down at his caffeine nut drink, a.k.a. coffee, and says, I didn't... Joking, she interrupts. She walks beside him and says, There they are, bright and early. They approach a group of protesters holding signs with slogans like, Make it safe to pray again, and Don't be brainwashed by science. They wear T-shirts that say, Moms for Freedom. He says, Where do they all come from? Don't they have lives? She says, That's just it. They date a farm for a living. They get paid just for allowing a company to record all their movement, audio, and internet traffic. They have nothing but free time. Nigel laughs and says, That's why there's so many protesters these days. As they press past the demonstrators, a femme they pass hollers, We'll make this nation a Christian nation. We'll make it a Christian nation, and anyone who doesn't like it can leave. The demonstrators don't give Nigel and Yvette too much pushback as they push through the crowd onto the campus. Recordings of arguments can go viral and hurt either side depending on how they go. AI scrubs fake videos from the net. One viral video can backfire to a catastrophic scale. Nigel says, I remember in the 20s people used to stand around shouting at each other until the sun went down. People may seem a lot more civil, but if you ask me, it's worse. Yvette nods. People in the crowd shout in unison, Don't let the schools bully you. 
Nigel trips. He watches his coffee fall from his hand. Bam, he hits the slushy ground. People are backing away from him. He gets on all fours and says, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yvette grabs his arm and helps him to his feet. People nearby have shut up and frown at him. Several feet away, the lid and cup of his drink are separated, and misting brown liquid melts the snow. Yvette says, What happened? He brushes slush off his coat and says, Someone stuck their foot out. I'm okay. Let's get inside. The crowd closes around them as they near a building. A guard bot lets the pair pass and holds out its hand, saying, You folks need to step back. This area is for authorized people only. Doors open for Nigel and Yvette and close behind them. Their faces flush in the warmer air. He turns the palm of his hands down to hide the scuff marks. They walk down a hall of a 1980s building. The floors are new, but latex paint still covers the walls. She says, did you hear about the baby law? He says, it won't affect that many. She glances at him with disbelief and says, it's about more than outlawing offspring from same-sex parents. Do you know how hard it is for some couples to have a baby? A lot of poor Christian would-be parents will be heartbroken. He says, aren't they big on adoption? When they outlawed abortion, they were ecstatic about the foster homes that opened all over the country. You're too young to remember, but it used to be hard to find a baby to adopt. Now you can practically order them through giantess. He pats one palm with the tips of his fingers. Her chest balloons out and she sneers but then remembers something and relaxes. They board an elevator. She presses a button and says, It doesn't sound like you hope to be a father, but do you think they'll stop with medically aided pregnancy? He says, Do you think they'll stop? That's what they said about abortion. When they enter the lab, an avatar of a femme with straight bangs appears and says, You're here. We have our 20th subject. She's in room 12. Nigel says, Where are you? The femme says, In surgery. Her avatar disappears. Yvette claps and says, Our last subject. Nigel says, Assistant, bring up the file on the subject. His assistant says, In room 12. Many rooms branch off from the main hall. Two janitor bots clean the floor. Students in scrubs walk from room to room. They walk into room 12. Vanessa lies in a bed, glasses frosted over. Yvette says, Vanessa, I'd like you to meet someone. Vanessa makes a gesture with her mouth, her glasses clear, and she looks at Nigel with worried eyes. Looking over her file in his lower field of view, Nigel walks up to her and says, You're malnourished. You have a urinary tract infection. You have a respiratory infection. Who was caring for you? Yvette says, Vanessa, this is Dr. Jet. He'll be your surgeon. I believe it was her sister caring for her. He says, her surgery will be next week. When he makes a swipe gesture to scroll Vanessa's file, Yvette notices a round metal button on his coat sleeve and says, Doctor, what's that on your sleeve? He looks down. An orange object the size of a penny sticks to his coat about halfway up the sleeve. He holds up his arm. She says, don't touch it. He says, the sniffers at the entrance would have stopped me if it's explosive. It has numbers printed on it. Five, seven, eight. I think it's a phone number. Yvette says, that's scary. I'll call security. He says, wait, there was a femme in the cafe who stopped me. She grabbed my sleeve. I think this is her contact info. A month later, Vanessa looks plumper. She sits up in bed wearing a headset as Yvette watches a flat screen on the wall. 
On the screen, a 3D femme walks in, jerks, and falls over. Vanessa says, oh no. Yvette says, oh, you made it further. The 3D character struggles to get to its feet. Vanessa's upper arms and shoulders somewhat move in sync with the 3D character. She says, standing is hard. The character stands, but it bends from one side to the other and falls over. Vanessa says, oh no. Yvette says, you'll get it, you'll get it. Both jump when an explosive rat-a-tat-tat goes off outside. Yvette says, Assistant, what's happening outside? Her assistant says, One moment, I'm finding mixed reports. Many reports of being shot at. The demonstrators are being targeted. I have a live feed. Vanessa ducks her head and twitches. Yvette gets off her chair and squats near the floor. Through her glasses, she sees a bird's-eye view of the sidewalk outside, nearly 100 people moving off the street. Their clothes are all puffed out. Yvette says, why are their clothes ballooned out? The assistant says, They're wearing clothing that'll inflate with projectile retardant in case of a shooter. A gun goes off again, rat-a-tat-tat. Nigel sits in his office saying, We graft sensors and stimulators to nerves. It's all processed by a protein computer that we tuck under the skin. It does make a small bulge. We usually put the computers on their backs. As he talks, he looks over applications on his desktop. The entire desktop is a flat screen so he can move digital documents around like he's arranging piles of paper. He needs a new student intern and has it down to 10 applicants. He says, but I am speaking with NASA. VR rigs in space take up too much room. Yes, yes, say, I've got to go. Let me know about the stasis meds. Bye. He puts two applications side by side. Marjorie Paris and Shen Ling, both applicants showing signs of working hard. Someone knocks at his door. He says, come in. Yvette enters and says, Lander's cramping up. He says, which one is that? She says, room five. His shoulder muscles get fatigued when he full VRs too long. Nigel continues to look at the applications and says, we need stasis meds. Why don't the mining companies want to work with us? She says, trade secrets? He says, they're holding everyone back, including themselves. We all want full VR. He rubs his neck. She tilts her head, looking at his desk, and says, You aren't seriously considering Marjorie Paris, are you? He says, What? She says, Everyone knows Marjorie Paris. Hold on. Assistant video, Marjorie Paris, philosophy, history. Light leaks from behind her glasses, though they look like clear glass showing her eyes from the front. She grabs the air and pulls down. An icon appears on his desk. After an antivirus icon flashes over the icon, he clicks it. A video opens showing handheld footage inside a lecture hall. A squat, middle-aged man wearing a tieless collar shirt standing in front says, Socrates, one of Plato's main characters, discussed the importance of acting justly and doing good to others. The concept of justice as virtue implies treating others well, as acting unjustly would harm not only others but also the individual's own soul. A freshman with hair pulled back tight, a pimply forehead, and wearing a full-length skirt stands, raises her hand and looks around with one squinting eye, smiling smugly. Some students groan. Dr. Kang reluctantly says, Yes, Miss Paris? Marjorie says, I have a question. Jesus came up with the idea of doing unto others as you'd have others do unto you, so isn't Plato copying the teachings of Christ? Dr. Kang says, Plato lived before Jesus, so no, he didn't copy Jesus. Marjorie says, But the Bible is historic fact, and how could humanity believe in goodness and evil without the Bible? 
Without the Bible, people descend into darkness. Dr. Kang says morality predates the Bible and pervades every culture. Marjorie says, you're asking me to accept that on blind faith. How can I accept that when it goes against the historic existence of the Bible? Dr. Kang says, Miss Paris, this is a philosophy history class. This is also an evening class. Most people taking this class do so simply because they need to get a humanities credit. They're not as passionate about grappling with the material as you are. We have a lot to cover and are short on time. Marjorie says, But you told us to ask questions. Others have stopped your lecture with questions. Are my questions not the kind you like? Dr. Kang says, Let me clarify. Ask questions that you think will help you pass my tests. Marjorie says, But you teach things that contradict historic fact. Dr. Kang pauses. Someone in the back coughs. Another gets up and leaves. He says, I don't grade on whether you agree with me or not. I grade on how well you learned what this class covers. Marjorie says, So you're asking me to write something I don't believe. Dr. Kang says, I don't ask anything of you other than let me conduct my class. Nigel slaps the desk to pause the video. He says, Oh God, does it go on? Yvette, nodding slowly, says, I'm afraid so, and that wasn't the only night. Nigel says, I'm glad I saw you today. By swiping the desktop twice, he flings the video into the wastebasket icon and Marjorie's application into the wastebasket. Vanessa shifts her head back and forth wearing her VR headset. On the screen, her 3D character jogs around a hilly winding trail. Her upper arms and neck jerk. A humanoid robot walks in wearing a doctor's smock. Its exposed hands, arms, neck, and head look mechanical and blue-gray. Its egg-shaped head with turn display tech creates a hologram effect of a femme's head looking and smiling at Vanessa. It walks like a robot, but its upper body moves with human feeling. From the bot, a femme's voice says, Vanessa, I'm a visiting doctor here to see you. May I remove your headset? The 3D character on the screen stops. Vanessa says, yes. The bot gently lifts the headset off. It says, Hi, I'm actually Hume. I'm using this remote standalone to visit from North Dakota. My name is Latifa. I heard you're having shoulder and arm discomfort. Vanessa says, yes, I am. I can control that 3D character on the screen, but when I move its arms, my arms move a little and they get sore. Latifa says, that's exactly what I'm here to help with. Can I touch your arms and you tell me where they get sore? Vanessa says, sure. After several minutes, Latifa injects Vanessa in two places on her shoulders. Latifa says, How about I put your headset back on and let's see if you can move in VR without moving IRL? Vanessa says, Okay. When Nigel steps out of the building at five, the absence of protesters causes him to stop and say, Oh my, what's happened here? He pulls his coat collar up around his cheeks and avoids sliding as he walks. Where'd they all go? Was there another mass shooter? Feeling nervous, he just wants to get home. Down the street, the long buses that bring protesters into the state are all gone. Yvette may know. He says, Assistant, call Yvette. She answers with a raspy voice. Hello? He says, Hi, did you know the protesters are gone? Do you know why? The groan he hears confuses him. He says, Are you all right? She says, sorry. She blows her nose. Didn't you hear about the Supreme Court ruling? He says, no more sperm banks? She says, no. They call it an anti-indoctrination ruling. 
I'm sorry, doctor. I've got another call. Watch the news. She clicks off. A cold wind hits his face, making his cheeks feel stretched. When he takes the stairs down to the subway, the route map appears in AR. He reaches up and air taps his destination. Blue arrows appear on the wet steps. An avatar of a clean-cut young man appears to his right, wearing a shirt with a big T on it. It says, any questions? Nigel waves a hand to sweep the avatar away. He joins a line going through one of the turnstile gates and passes through. The arrows lead him across the platform to a no-weight car. Each car carries up to six people and moves independently. He steps into the car in a line of cars that move slowly forward. Two other passengers already sit. He sits as two more people board. Cars speed past to the left of the car. The doors close and everyone on board leans right as the car slides left and speeds forward. Five stations pass in a blur of light. Dark, light, dark. He says, assistant, apps. App icons appear floating in front of him, moving with the car, not with his head. He clicks on a news app. A live stream starts in the lower half of his field of view so he can still see his surroundings above the feed. The newscaster Carly Frost says, Moms for Freedom is known for causing K-12 through school closures in 11 states. Everyone in the car leans forward as the car slows. It switches to the right lane and comes up behind a line of cars moving slowly forward next to a platform. The doors open and everyone steps off as the car continues to move. Behind them, others stride across the platform and board the car. Before Nigel has walked far, the car he just took switches tracks and speeds off. On the news, Carly Frost speaks with a lawyer. How does this ruling get put into practice? The lawyer says, if the Department of Christian Inclusion deems a program at an organization of information distribution dissuasive, that program will be paused until it's reformed to fit the department's requirements. Ms. Frost says, are we still talking about K through 12 schools? The lawyer says, organizations of information distribution is broad. We've yet to see, but schools, libraries, even news stations may come under scrutiny. Ms. Frost says, should we be scared? Before Nigel crosses a street, his assistant says, Look up. A car is approaching on your right. Nigel steps back as an empty cab speeds by, spraying slush along the curb. He swipes down to close the news feed and continues walking home. He says, Assistant, order Comfort Food 12. His assistant says, Your order will reach your home a few minutes after you do. Nigel holds onto a cold rail as he climbs the steps to the front door of his condominium building. When he grabs the door handle, the door unlocks. Inside, he takes the carpeted stairs and enters his home. When he plops down on the couch, Scruffy, his cat with a mane and brush-end tail like a lion stretches, gets to her feet, walks across the couch, and settles into his lap. The cat was a gift from his ex, who's called a couple of times over the years just to catch up. He scratches Scruffy around her mane. She looks like a cat except for her hair, which resembles a lion's. She has something like 0.03% lion DNA. His ex said, When I heard about these, I had to get you one. Remember the lion in that movie who needed courage? When he was married to her, he tried so hard to be the best partner he had ever, ever tried to be. He easily doubled his efforts with her. Then one day when their car got a flat, she said, I don't think this is working for me. Feeling like he stepped off a cliff on purpose, he said, Okay. She said, yeah. He said, yes. When he moved out, he felt robbed for having tried so hard, but now he gets the feeling that she remembers him as one of her better ones and he feels vindicated. 
A bell chimes from his ear canal link, not from a doorbell, and he says, Come in. His door opens and the giantess delivery box walks in on pencil-thin legs. The door closes. He says, Come over to the coffee table. The box walks over, climbs up on the table, and sets itself down. He opens the lid, pulls out a plastic fork, and digs into the shrimp linguine. Scruffy perks up, nuzzles his arm, and stares at the food. The next morning, his phone line rings. Not wearing his glasses, he can't see who it is. He says, who is it? His assistant says, Yvette. He says, answer, hello? Yvette says, Dr. Jet, it's terrible. He says, are you crying? She says, they shut two of my classes down. He says, who? She says, the police. He says, are you at school now? She says, yes. He says, I'll meet you at the lab. He doesn't remember going to campus. He teaches two classes, mostly to grad students. Does he wait to find out if they shut those down? Will he get a notice or teach the class and see if the police show up? At least they can't touch the NerveLink project. That's research. It isn't open to the public. On campus, people stand in groups, many crying or cried out. Police bots march all over the place. Even some Hume police enter buildings. Femmes wearing moms for Freedom t-shirts over coats walk around filming. When he starts to go through the entrance, a femme in her 40s tries to caboose him. He turns around and says, This is a security entrance. You can't do that. She smiles angrily at him and says, I can today. Haven't you read the writing on the wall? He says, Step back. I'm not going to let you bypass MIT security. Her hair flips back and forth as she looks around. She runs after two police bots saying, Police! Police! I'm being denied inclusion! These assholes take a loving word like inclusion and turn it into a weapon. He hurries through the door and pulls it shut himself before she comes back. When he gets in the lab, all seems normal. He walks from room to room. Tommy, a quadriplegic, uses his avatar to shoot baskets. He wears the headset, but Nigel can see on the wall screen. Tiffany, a paraplegic, uses her avatar to scale a rocky cliffside. He says, Assistant, today's schedule. His schedule appears in the lower half of his field of view. Well, what the fuck is he supposed to do? Should he ignore everything that's happening on the rest of the campus? He should go see if there's something he can do to help. Or he should stay here to make sure no one messes with the research. He spins around when he hears the rhythmic thumping of bots marching down the hall. Four bots and four femmes wearing Moms for Freedom t-shirts approach him. The femmes look all over the place like burglars looking for something to steal. Nigel says, What are you doing in here? Three of the femmes are older, but the femme in the front is college age. Her hair is pulled back tight and pimples stand out on her forehead. Hasn't anyone told her a phage cream will cure those pimples? She says, Are you in charge here? In one hand, she holds a piece of paper. Nigel says, Miss Paris? She jumps back. She says, You know me? How do you know who I am? She smiles wonderingly as if she may have gone viral and just doesn't know it yet. He says, I just finished reviewing your application for this research lab. She flashes a smile of hope, frowns with disappointment, blushes with embarrassment, opens her mouth with confusion and says, Well, the Department of Christian Inclusion has found this program has problems and will be put on pause until those issues can be corrected. She holds the paper out to him. He says, Assistant, call my lawyer. He turns and walks away. Marjorie runs after him saying, Wait, who'd you choose from the applicants? 
As he listens to the phone ring, he turns to face her, looking into her eyes growing watery and eyebrows jumping up and down. He decides to lie. Why not? Let her feel some of this. He says, I chose you. Your application was outstanding, and I've already written the email to invite you to the team. Everyone who's interned with me has amazing careers. Of course, I remember your name. I chose you. He's never seen anyone act so confused. She bites her lip, shakes her head, raises clenched fists, then glares at him. He walks away from her. Interns and volunteer students help wheel the 20 paraplegics and quadriplegics outside. Crowds form on campus and the surrounding streets. Lights shut off in the buildings. So many police spots march around taping off doors and ushering people out. It reminds Nigel of ants crawling over some lunch meat dropped on the ground. Yvette holds hands with two other femmes. Nigel says, they're closing the entire school? Yvette says, they're putting programs on hold. He says, but how many of them? Yvette says all but the biblical history class. But at that point, what does it matter? No one is going to take one class when all the others are put on pause probably for the rest of the year. He says, why are they picking on MIT? Yvette says, but they're not. All the colleges are closing. He says, how'd they move so fast? She says, that's the genius of it. By putting programs on hold, all they need is to produce a short write-up on each class. It was probably done by bots. But doctor, what are we going to do with the volunteer subjects? Can we take them to a hospital? I'm sharing a single room with someone else. He looks at the humes in beds on wheels. One is being pushed onto some icy grass by a police bot. A bus or ambulances will need to be arranged for. Some of these people were badly neglected before joining the group. Could he in good consciousness send them back to families who didn't or couldn't take care of them? He says, fuck it if I know. The young people watching him look down at the ground. It's bad when the professor starts cussing. He fingers a button on his coat, a button not by the cuff, but higher on the sleeve. He grabs it and studies it. He says, assistant, call. And he reads the number etched into the button. Yvette says, what are you doing? He says, fuck them. I'm not going to let them kill our research. I'm going private. I don't care if it breaks laws or school policy or anything like that. If this entrepreneur who I'm calling can get these paralyzed people in a safe place tonight, I'm working for her. By the way, Yvette, if you see Miss Paris any time, tell her you were so excited for her to join our team and you are so sad the project is on pause. Despite the situation, Yvette smiles tiredly and says, I feel bad. Her one chance in a lifetime has been put on pause, probably forever. Thank you for listening. Please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe so that more future-minded people can find this show. My landing page is in 20xx.com. There, you can find the companion website to this podcast that includes an illustrated timeline and glossary.